Hey guys, well we are continuing in our Enneagram series. If you are just now joining us, you might want to skip back a couple episodes to hear our opening episode where we talk about what the Enneagram is, what it all means. Today we're doing a deeper dive into Enneagram Type 8, which is the challenger. I've got Mickey Scott Bay Jones here with me again. She is an Enneagram expert. She's going to give us some great insight into Enneagram 8s. And then we're going to revisit a conversation with my friend Heidi Weimer, who is an Enneagram 8. She's going to talk about the personal experience of this type. All right. Well, today, Mickey and I are talking about Enneagram 8s, which I I have a soft spot for Enneagram 8s. I love their energy. I do, too. Yeah. It's funny because I know know, they get a bad rap. Some people have a hard time, but I love it. Bring the conflict. Yeah, I. They get they get they get bad, you know, stereotypes, and you know, this is my very personal bias. Is I actually think a lot of people who are who self type as eights are probably not eights. But, oh, really? Uh, so I I sometimes side eye people who say they're eights. Yeah, I just. You know, we have to be careful because I think sometimes people can be, can say, you know, they, they're, they want to be what they want to be. And yeah. like, it, especially if you're taking a test, right. We can all figure out how to game test pretty quickly. Oh, for sure. So, or a lot of us can. So, you know, sometimes I'm like, maybe you just like to argue with people and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're not a type of That's funny. So, because I just do think that, um, you know, again, it comes down to kind of your essence yeah. And uh, we'll get to the essence of a type eight, but um, you know, it's, it seems to be uh, like a lot of people are identifying as an eight, but, but then also, you know, cause it's also the type you can complain about, like everybody hates me. And I'm like, no, <laughs> eights don't have to be horrible and people yeah. don't have to hate you. So, absolutely. so our eights are uh, type eights are sometimes called the protector or the challenger mm-hmm. or the leader. Um, I, like I said, I like to think of them as this mama bear archetype. Yeah. And, um, you know, they are really motivated to protect themselves and others from vulnerability or harm. And, uh, you know, they want to maintain power and control. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But that is really in, in order to avoid dangerous people and situations. So they, the type eight believes that they can protect themselves and gain worthiness about if they show up Mm -hmm. as strong and powerful and, and not, and, you know, and if they really are just not submitting to others, but insisting on and asserting their truth and strength. Yeah. Um, So, you know, people talk about this type as having a really strong bullshit meter, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. they are going to know when your leadership is built on you know flimsy material like they're gonna know and they're gonna call it out that's right if they know you don't know your shit you're in trouble yeah and they're gonna challenge it which is about safety though Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. what we're actually like what the essence of a a type eight really is 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 this innocence Mm. um this Mm. little this little person who has been uh mistreated and so Mm -hmm. if they can control um the you know danger then they can actually be their their little innocent selves Mm. um and so that's why I have a soft spot for eights because I'm just like you sweet thing underneath 
all this being big, right? Yeah. Like when a little kid tries to be big and scare people, it's yeah. like, if I see somebody who is really deep in their type structure, who is misbehaving, right? Mm-hmm. Who is hurting people with their powerfulness. Yes. Then I'm like, oh, you're, I understand. Right. That you're really just trying to protect yourself. Yes. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we put up with bad behavior. Right. Um, but, um, you know, all of us can get into bad behavior because of our type, not just eights. 100%. And I think that's where it's like the, the stereotyping can come in, yeah. you know? So, you know, and the other thing is, um, you know, this is, again, any, any gram of personality can go so, so deep. and has so many different kind of rungs of it. We haven't really talked about kind of time orientation, but eights are really present focused. Yeah. Um, and so their focus is their attention is on what can be done now. Yeah. There really is this sense of immediacy. Like we need to do something. We yeah. need to, you know, handle this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have a sense of fairness and justice that is very internal. So I will say ones they're like our sense of, of like right and wrongness often comes from mm-hmm. like, uh, it's like we are current we are constantly looking for a, a higher sense of moral understanding and then aligning ourselves to that eights have a clear sense of what's fair and right or mm-hmm. just that comes from the inside yeah um and so yeah. they and and so that is part of what's fueling this hyper focus on power and control mm-hmm. um and so and that is also what can make them so entrenched in this, like my, my way or the highway thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really fueled. The reason it feels so strong is because they do tend to have a very high kind of zest for life. Lots of, yeah. um, burrs, that energy, that life force. Yeah. And so it comes out, um, in excess. It can come out you know, we talk about sevens being, you know, the fun ones, but eights are going to like do everything with gusto because they just have so much life force. And so they're going to, you know, they're going to party in extreme. They're going to fight for justice in extreme. They're going to like give it all they got for everything. Yeah. I think one of the reasons that I am really drawn to Enneagram eights is I like to know where I stand as an Enneagram three. I want to know what, yeah. you know, what are people thinking? I want to read the room right. and eights, you just know. And I appreciate yeah. that directness, even if it's negative. I just like that. I'm yeah. not guessing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, maybe when eights are just figuring out who's in control in the room, mm-hmm. like they're sorting it out, yeah. you might not know what they're thinking, but at some point, yeah, you're right. It's going to like, come out Mm -hmm. because again, they are trying to solve for who's in control. Do they deserve to be in control? Am I, am I in danger if I'm under this person's control? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, they're trying to navigate the largeness of their presence that they bring, even if they're a small person, sure, they, eights could be small people, but They, they bring kind of a forceful presence, um, you know, and, and, which is good. They're, they're Mm -hmm. determined, they're courageous. Yeah. Um, typically really friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you said, you know, where they stand, they're straightforward. Um, and so they can be that charismatic, inspiring leader. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they may not get things done, but I would suspect they often have a three that is, is getting things done for them or beside them, <laughs> you know, cause uh-huh. they will tap into the power that people have in the room and you mm-hmm. have the power to work the room. So they're going to align themselves with you. Yeah. Um, but really, of course, then, like I've said before, th- th- there's a flip side, right? And the flip side is that, you know, they can be exhausted Mm-hmm. from always being in this fight mode, being yes. in this, you know, trying to understand where they need to assert power, where they need yeah. to lead, you know, by living life so full throttle. Yeah. Um, and by denying the fullness of who they are, right? If they mm-hmm. always want to live in superhero mode mm-hmm. and always be the protector yeah. and never show their own weakness and vulnerability or that they That's are exhausting. afraid... Yeah, that's exhausting. And, mm-hmm. and again, if we talk about cultural overlays, there are people who are expected mm-hmm. to be perfect and to be, you know, um, mm-hmm. to, to be strong all the time. Um, like, you know, I have started thinking about, we were talking about this the other day, um, when we were prepping is like, um, I'm thinking about finally writing a memoir. Mm-hmm. I say that as if I'm 80, but you know, I'm like, you know, thinking about it seriously, because I had kind of just dismissed it for so long. But, you know, thinking about black women who write memoirs where they get to be messy, where they admit messing up, and it feels like we're not allowed to do that. I mean, now, maybe with Viola Davis's memoir and and, Mm -hmm. um, Gabrielle Union, but it's like, our stories have to be about being strong and overcoming and Mm. look, I started out in the ghetto and now I'm, you know, a powerful CEO, right. Boss, babe, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it's like, you know, we sometimes it's not just the eights want to be powerful. They feel like they can't actually lay the mask down. And so they know they're safe if they, if they are the mama bear, if they're protecting themselves and others, that's what people expect of them. Yeah. So when they, you know, they have to somehow come to a point where they can trust that Mm -hmm. they can be something other than the most powerful person in the room. Yeah. And, and so I would think that self-care for an Enneagram eight looks like laying some of that down, looks like figuring out how to find rest, both externally and internally. And, and knowing like, I don't have to challenge every single thing. I don't have to champion every single cause or injustice. Like sometimes I can just rest or even be taken care of. Right. And if you do have the cultural overlays, right, maybe it's not about being vulnerable with everybody. You know, I'm not trying to say that a, that a black woman who's an eight should be vulnerable at work. Like, yeah. okay, I'm that's that definitely not saying that that's the place. But yeah, if you also can't be vulnerable at home, or you think you can't, mm-hmm. right? Because we also have a legacy. I was talking to a friend the other day about things we didn't know our mothers didn't tell us about our health. Like my mom had this whole scare with a tumor in her neck, and I was mm-hmm. in my 20s, and she like never told me about it. And I've found her medical records now that she's gone. And I'm like, could have told me that this was like, is this hereditary? Is this something I need to be working on? You know? And it's like, when you feel like you have to, to be that superhero all the time Mm -hmm. and you can't lay it down, find somewhere culturally, you can't do it. I get it. Like because of your race or sexuality or whatever, you feel like you're not ready to give up that hard exterior at work or you can't it are there places where you can do that 
at home? Yeah. Are there people cultivate relationships with people, you know, whether it's seeking out a particular support group or, um, you know, with your, your partner or, you know, think about that and who you're dating, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do you actually find places where you don't always have to be powerful? You don't always yeah. have to be intense where your vulnerability, where you can practice, totally. try some vulnerability. You don't have to go from, you know, being all the walls up to like mm-hmm. super vulnerable in one day. Totally. Right. But how do we actually um, have some spaces yeah. or where we're not controlling. Um, cause it's easy to hide behind control, right? Yeah. It's easy to hide behind this person attacked me, mm-hmm. but you know, you have to be able to be a whole person, which yeah. means that you have some fears, you have some vulnerabilities, you're not good at everything. Yeah. And so where can you show up in that way so that yeah. you can be a full person? And how do we create that space or that safety for our Enneagram eight friends? Yeah. yeah so eight, you know, like we said, are looking for truth. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and justice. Mm-hmm. And so when eights can, can like begin to understand that their truth is connected to the truth in others, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, open that themselves up um, to the power of vulnerability. I mean, not to get too Brene Brown on it, but like, <laughs> I mean, I love Brene, but you know, it's like, there really is something in that, yeah. that, um, that vulnerability and the, 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 contr- there's actually like a power in vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. And so if we can kind of disengage from the Western, you know, white supremacist patriarchal construct of power and vulnerability and can actually find and cultivate spaces. Mm -hmm. Uh, For those of us who love eights, cultivate spaces where they can be vulnerable. And eights are a body type. They need to be, learn how to be vulnerable in their body Mm. to, to be, to, to, and that could be like, have somebody to snuggle with. Mm-hmm. And be the little spoon, right? Like they need to be able to, <laughs> yes. to be the little spoon. And like where <laughs> they can like uh, not know how to do things, like mm-hmm. try new things and be vulnerable with it or mm-hmm. um, try to do a new activity or hobby that they're going to look stupid doing, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. And places of practicing vulnerability with people who will allow them to practice that um that 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 is really you know a gift yeah to to type eight yeah well next up we're going to hear from um someone who is a type eight So today we're going to chat with my friend heidi and she is an enneagram eight um, Heidi is a mom of many. Heidi, how many kids do you have? We have 11 kids in all. Seven of them were adopted from Ethiopia. So Heidi and I met in adoption circles. She's also a writer. And your website is what? Outofshemind.com. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So you are one of the first bloggers I ever read. Do you know that? Yeah, I remember from back in like, 
my gosh, it was probably 2008, 2007. Yeah. And I think we yeah. met before we, either of us had adopted, we were kind of in, in process. Right. Yes. And here you yeah. are now with 11 kids and you're, you're going to law school. Um, yeah. So we just moved from Nashville to Washington, D.C. And I just turned 40. So obviously the logical step next would be to uh, apply to law school. So yeah, I'll be that's starting- what every mom of 11 should do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'll be starting next fall. I'm just waiting to hear back um, from some of my applications. So that's kind of where I am now. Awesome. Well, we, um, Sarah and I just chatted a little bit about what the Enneagram 8 looks like. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm a 3, but I am very closely followed by 7 and 8. And I absolutely resonate with the 8 personality um, and actually, for a long time, I thought I was an eight because I mm-hmm. can lean into that. Um, but Heidi, I was not the least bit surprised to find out that you were an eight because you've <laughs> always been such a staunch advocate. Mm-hmm. Were you yeah, surprised? Um, no, and actually, I didn't find out about the Enneagram until probably, I guess, a little over two years ago. And it was kind of interesting, my introduction to it. Um, we were in um, an up-and-coming evangelical church and they were you know um using all the right buzzwords they sounded more progressive so i thought great this is a place where i'll get to use my gifts and i kept getting shut down and so the pastor that kept shutting me down he told me one day um what enneagram number are you and i had never even heard of it and so he said i bet you're an eight you're definitely an eight and um then he told me that his wife calls um Enneagram eights, he calls she calls them eight holes. So um I knew there was like a negative connotation, especially as a woman. And I over the next few months as I started reading about the Enneagram and um doing the tests and reading more about um being an eight, because it definitely resonated with me. Um it was being used more as a weapon against me. Right. Whereas for other people it was being used as, oh, this tool to unlocking who you are in the circle of uh especially male pastors at the church I was at and just in the evangelical circles, it was used as a weapon. Like she's an eight. Mm-hmm. And so she's an eight. Dismiss I would, her. She's just, yes. And anytime I would, or dramatic. Exactly. Or, yeah. So when I would bring something to their attention or it's anything that was like something really small, just suggesting something or want, you know, wanting to be used in some way in um, a ministry, they would he this this one particular man would quickly dismiss it as well i know how you know i know how you react i was just reading up on aids again and, th- and doesn't this resonate with you and really using it to dismiss me and shut me down and i wow. so it took me i had to kind of detox from the enneagram for a few months as we stepped away from that church before i could dive back in and embrace who i was mm-hmm. because there was so much negative um like weaponry attached to it yeah there can be a lot of judgments around eight um you know, just because they, they are challengers. They are the people um, who will speak up for injustice. They will speak up when they mm-hmm. feel like things are not right. Um, they will challenge the status quo. And unfortunately, there's a whole lot of judgment for women eights. Have you right. found that to be true? Absolutely. And even before I knew anything about the Enneagram, I've experienced this my entire life from the time I was a little right. girl. Um, right. Because for, for me, it it's like breathing, speaking, you know, when I look around and I see injustice, of course, I'm going to speak up about it. And I've always felt like 
um, a passion for justice runs through my veins. So how could I yeah. not do it? And so it just, it's like second nature to me. So it, it often feels like, especially as a female, that you're being punished for who you are. Mm-hmm. And all of the words that are used to describe an eight, um, brave and a leader and strong and powerful. None of those are terms that are considered positives for women. Um, I think that's starting to change a little tiny bit, but for the most part, especially in Christian circles, those are not terms that a woman typically aspires to be. And if you are any of those, you were taught early on to shut that down or, or at least cover it up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's even more so true for those of us raised in evangelical circles, mm-hmm. especially if our brand of theology growing up was that women should be submissive, you know, that, um, you know, that there's this complementarianism where women are really a helpmate, <laughs> you know, right. Um, some of that toxic theology of um, women being subservient to men and eight is super problematic in those circles. Absolutely. Right. And I think that I've always been really genuine about my Christian faith and from the time I was really young. And so it was always very conflicting and confusing to me. Why would God make me this way, but that it's unacceptable in Christian circles? And even to the, you know, being told that it's not godly to be this way. And it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not my role as a woman who's a Christian. And I, I remember asking so many times to, along the gears, why would God make me this way if I wasn't supposed to live it out within, you know, in my, with my faith? And you know, I would sometimes be told, well, that's just the thorn in your side that you have to you know, deal with throughout your life and and just even um you know my husband and i would always kind of joke and roll our eyes anytime it was going to be mother's day in um one of our evangelical churches because i i mean i got to the point where i quit going on mother's day because the last time i went and it was just typical they would bring certain women to the platform to praise them and revere them and talk about what being a mom likes and it was always these quiet demure women who would literally share about how they you know, stayed home and baked cookies for their kids. And that just wasn't me. And so I was always you know, pu- punished and made to feel shame for being who I was. And the men of these evangelical churches, especially, there's often a lot of, I think, I mean, I think it's male ego there. And they, like you said, they don't know what to do with this theology they have where a woman should be inferior when they see a woman who is not naturally inferior. And I'd be told, yeah. I would be told by these pastors, oh, you're so gifted, you're so brilliant, you're so this, but then they would not use me for anything in the church whatsoever. Yeah. And then they would, they would use men who didn't have leadership skills or men who weren't really qualified, who were you know, 15 years younger than me, had no life experience, but they, and they would recognize my gifts, but they wouldn't use them because it went against their theology. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even for people who are outside of Christian circles, I think we are socialized um, just in our environment that a female who has eight qualities, um, that self-confidence, that assertion, that, you know, challenging ambitiousness, those qualities in a female can often be synonymous culturally, um, especially in America, with bitchiness with you know we have these words that describe females who are assertive that where there's not a male counterpoint it's like these tend to be seen as male qualities exactly 
And so it's, I mean, it's something that I've definitely experienced, like you said, not just in the church, but just in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be sitting around the table or sitting you know, in a circle with other men and I could be offering up the same ideas or the same kind of challenging thoughts or um, the same kind of inspiration, so to speak. And yeah, it, or, or you're challenging something. And I'm mm-hmm. looked at for, like as a bitch, whereas a man who would, do, would be doing those same things is looked at as powerful and such a great leader and a strong yeah. person. And, and the only difference is gender. So there's a lot of negative connotation for women eights, but how have you sort of embraced this and how have you come to see it as a positive in your own life? Yeah, so I will say first that it's taken me time. Um, I've always been comfortable with who I am and embraced who I am. I was always individualistic, which goes along with being an I guess. So I guess that's a good thing is that we're usually pretty secure in who we are, but it's been a lonely journey. Um, especially growing up in um, the Bible Belt and in the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's been pretty lonely and living in the South. So, um, moving to a um, an international city like Washington D.C. has been pretty refreshing. Even the church yeah, is here; it's a bit of a different mindset. Um, and in fact, one of the pastors at our church, um, she is a an Enneagram Eight, so we have bonded over that. But um. Yeah, I, I just think that, um, especially over the last 10 years, I guess, I think part of it is age through my 30s, just kind of figuring out who I am, um, embrace, learning to embrace it instead of fighting it. And um, for me, I think that I just kind of got tired as I approached 40. I got tired of fighting with people who wouldn't allow me to use my gifts and allow mm-hmm. me to be me. And so I just, you know, I've just, I've always had a mindset that life is short and we have to grab it by the horns. And so I've always felt like these are power games. And I think just the older I got, the more tired I got of playing these power games with people because I don't play power games well. (laughs) And, um, you know, just to really embrace, I think, like I said, I think it happens for women in their upper thirties when we start to figure out who we are, kids are getting a little bit older. If we have kids, um, we, we can start to see what we're really made to do. And um, just weighing out, yes, if I embrace who I am, it means I might be a little bit lonelier. It means I might not be as accepted as someone else. But the flip side of that is I look at the people who we really admire in history and in, in today. And these are people, like, if you look at the women, these are people who rocked boats. And these are people who weren't afraid to, to lead and to be strong and bold and courageous. And so... I've just kind of taken a bigger picture look at what do I want my life to be like? Do I want to keep on fighting with who I am or do I want to just brace who I am and make the impact and you know, rock the boats that I want to, that I feel called to rock um, knowing that it's going to cost me something. But um, yeah. And you know, what's interesting, Heidi is when, I mean, honestly, when I think of you, um, the things that come to mind are, I, I remember distinctly, I mean, 10, 12 years ago, and I know, you know, for people outside of Christian circles, this may not resonate, but you were one of the voices um, that was really challenging this marriage of the evangelicals to the Mm -hmm. Republican Party. And you were really pushing out as a liberal well before it it became a little more popular for Christians to do so. I remember that about you. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember 
your advocacy for adoption um, and ethics around adoption. Mm-hmm. I feel like your voice has been so critical for me and so inspiring for me as a person to really think outside of the box. And I think it has been for so many other people. And to me, that's really where your eight is such an asset because you, you, and then your boldness too, you know, that mm-hmm. in, in addition to thinking this way, you know, on your blog and in, in, um, you know, you're speaking and writing, you've been able to be so bold. And it's just, it's really refreshing and challenging in a good way. Well, thank you for that. That's, that's really humbling. It's um, something that just reminded me of something that has kept me going, I guess, over the years. Um, because I remember the first time speaking out against um, the religious right, so to speak. Um, I, was, I was 14 years old and it was when I was in the eighth grade and it was when um, Bill Clinton was first elected. And I went to church the day after that, and my youth pastor said to me, why are you so happy? Christians should be mourning today. And I was, I was stunned. I mean, I knew most people, this mm. was in the buckle of the Bible Belt. I knew most people weren't, most Christians at least weren't left-leaning, but I was just stunned that it was that polarizing. And so I, I you know, had my little miniature debates with Christians, adults and, you know, teenagers early on through my teens. And, um, but along the way, Hearing people say, you know, you, you made me think, or your voice matters, please don't stop speaking. And I, it's interesting because I often will hear that from people who are not at all outspoken. They're, they're, they don't ever speak out. But I think that with an eight, and I think um, especially with a female eight, women who want to use their voice but don't know how, or maybe they're not wired to be as bold, they find some comfort and um, maybe they find it, like you said, a little refreshing to hear someone who does speak out. So just along the way, it's that kind of feedback that can keep me going um, that I hear from time to time. Like, thank you for speaking out. I'll just get like, little private messages here and there from people saying that. Um, because for so long, the feedback was so negative. And, you know, I would just, as strong as I, you know, I am. I would just kind of crumble into a heap of tears being shut down, just feeling so unacceptable to others. And Well, and I think um, that that's a, a good point about eights too, is I think that there is a perception that eights don't have feelings. Absolutely. That, you know, and I have certainly leaned into my eight online. You know, I, I definitely, mm-hmm. like you, I, I write and challenge and I can be confrontational online. I'm, I'm not afraid to, you know, push back. And I, right. I've actually had people say to me like, wow, you know, people really see you as a bulldog or they really, or even mm-hmm. closer friends have said, you know, I don't think people really see that you're like a human, you yes. know, like a human yes. with, with soft and tender spots. Right. Um, but the reality is eights oftentimes are also empaths with deep mm-hmm. feelings. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, that's, um, that's always been until I learned more about about the Enneagram and just more about who I am. Um, that's something that was always so confusing to me was really feeling like people don't treat me like I'm an actual human being, that I'm a real person with yeah. real feelings. And, that, um, and then also putting that, um, this assumption that a person who is an eight, especially a female eight, that, um, that they're not tenderhearted, that they're not compassionate. But it's, it was always so confusing to me because those are the very feelings inside of me that drive yeah. me. 
is a yeah. deep compassion and Driven it's a very intense compassion. Yeah. Uh-huh. An intense empathy for others. That's what led us to adopt. Yes. And that's what, yes. why we have 11 kids and, yeah. but just this deep empathy. And so I would just be broken down to tears back in my twenties and early thirties when, um, especially in Christian circles, um, but just when anyone extended family or, um, friends would have this assumption about me that I'm not compassionate and I'm not tenderhearted. And it's, I think it's an eight, especially a female. I just, I think it's the most misunderstood and most, um, I think so like too. The, the least accepted as far if, if you're a woman. Yeah. And I have found, you know, that a part of it too, is that I have to be mindful and careful that I show my vulnerable side. And that mm-hmm. is a trait of eights, you know, one of the fear of eights is is being controlled by other people, and our yes. our deep desire is to protect ourselves. And so, you know, it can be a struggle to be vulnerable and to show that tender side because we we tend to put our hard exterior shell out first. So, I have right. really had to shift into showing my vulnerability so that people do see me as a full and whole and a complete person. Um, so that I'm not leading with confrontation all the time. Right. And that's something that's been challenging for me. And even, um, even as I get older, I was just telling my husband the other night, I think that's always going to be something that is going to challenge me. Um, walking that, that line of being my authentic self, but showing this vulnerable side of myself that um, the people who are closest to me, you know, my husband and my, couple closest best friends they see that side of me when we're having like a deep conversation about something they see that side of me but it's hard for me to show that side um even to some of my kids sometimes because i have so many kids with difficult backgrounds um it's hard sometimes to be that vulnerable instead of being this stoic strong figure um, because it makes you it makes you feel weak and so it's it's hard to show that and i feel like that's just a um a tightrope walk that I'm going to have to live out. Um, hopefully, getting better as I go. But um, yeah, but it's interesting because I've always said that um, when people can feel like I, I'm blowing them away, um, that it's too intense, it's too much, and I'm just blowing them away. I'm not showing mercy, and um, mercy mm-hmm. is mercy is not my. Whenever they do those spiritual gift surveys in church, I get like. <laughs> That's, that's like the, the lowest. One. No, it's at the very bottom, and that's <laughs> yeah. number one for my husband. So we balance each uh, other. But um, yeah, but I always want to say, like, how how do you think I'm blowing you away? I'm like toning down ninety five percent of what I'm really feeling. You know, like the, I'm toning down the intensity for you, so I don't blow you away. So it's just you know to be aware of how I come across. I can come across to others. Um, is something that I I feel like I'm getting better at, and you know you kind of learn by along the way is you get some pushback and I've had to think about, okay, well, I got pushback from this kind of person, but that's okay because that person needs to feel offended, you know, whereas this person is pushing back against me and that's because they misunderstand me and I want them to understand me. So just kind of balancing that, balancing it out and thinking about who your audience is, who you're in relationship with. Um, but it's definitely I, I mean, it's definitely an ongoing daily challenge for me to show that softer side. It's a huge challenge. Yeah. We've touched on this a little bit, but, you know, if 
if you could speak to everyone about being an aide and like, what's the one thing you wish people understood about AIDS? Um, I think especially for, I mean, and this would be, I guess, speaking more to a healthy eight because an unhealthy eight would be like a Joseph Stalin or an Adolf Hitler or our current president. <laughs> but think for a yes, healthy eight. Donald Trump is an eight. <laughs> yes. But so is yeah. Martin Luther King. So yeah, Exactly. Yes. We just <laughs> talked about this yesterday. Yeah. And so, but it really shows you how I feel like more than any other Enneagram number to be effective in your, um, with your innate personality, with who you are, an eight really, really has to work hard to harness it and to be healthy. And I, I mean, I've found that the more self-work I do, whether it's through therapy or through you know, just reading books or just you know, feed, feedback from friends or, or from my husband, Kirk, the more work I do, the more effective I am as an eight. And you learn to kind of harness your power and really recognize who you are. But I think I, what I wish people knew just from me about an eight is that, and the eights I've met are deeply, deeply caring people. And even if we come across as larger than life or loud or, mm -hmm. or too much, too much, so to speak, too powerful or too honest, um, the second that person is um, oppressed or, hurt in some way or put down by someone else, we'll be the first people there to fight for them and we'll fight for the, to the finish for them. And, um, yes. Like, yeah. And eight care, is a good friend deeply. to have your back. <laughs> yeah. Like loyalty. I like, that's the thing. I, Mama bear. Yeah. Right. And just a loyalty, but a deep, deep caring. And just to know that it's, it's a struggle. Like we are constantly trying to harness it without diminishing who we are. And that's, yeah. a, a, fine line to walk sometimes yeah it sure is well last question for you what is you know and you you touched on this a bit but what does unhealthy look for you in an eight and what does healthy look like and and how are you working on yourself to be that healthy eight as opposed to mm -hmm. the unhealthy eight <laughs> um you should probably ask my my family <laughs> so <laughs> um i would say an unhealthy eight is like um what's the expression like a, a bull in a china shop um yeah. just running through and um and i feel like sometimes or in my unhealthier moments or in my unhealthier past i could come across that way um in my home or even online and when we're talking about some kind of um social justice issue um just kind of a lack of control um just unleashing all this power it's kind of like a tsunami yeah. just this torrential force coming through and maybe lacking discernment too just like broad brush like gonna crash everything burn it all down yes absolutely yeah like everyone should just listen to me because i like yeah and just um yeah just sh shut it all down and yeah very general um intense broad stroke um but i think um i think a healthy eight um and i think some of this comes with just age as you live in the world and kind of figure out who you are um is more bridled 
And I don't really even like that word because even just saying yeah. it, I feel like, oh, something's controlling me. Well, okay, <laughs> maybe discerning is a better word. <laughs> yeah, just like, you know, you're not losing your your power. I like My mom used to talk to me about, it wasn't about the Enneagram or anything, but just talking about, um, she's obsessed with horses and she would talk about wild mustangs and how they're wild and unbridled, but they have all this power. But if that can be bridled and... Um, you know, kind of controlled a bit, then the power that that Mustang has is, is, you know, is a force to reckon with. And so I think a healthy eight, they know who they are, but they also know how to use who they are. Um, because an eight wants to make change in the world. An eight wants to rock the boats and a healthy eight will find ways to do that. That's actually more effective than just running through and knocking everybody down. But it takes a lot of self-discipline like daily. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think discipline is, is the reality for all of the Enneagram types. It, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's learning to be disciplined. It's learning to be mindful and insightful, knowing yourself, you know, when to rein it in and when to. Right. Well, Heidi, this was so good to talk to you. And I just, I appreciate it so much. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at, at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to shepherd audio for our intro music. Take care. 